Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. I never titled my messages, but today I've, I've titled my message, and it's called Pressing Into Your Breakthrough. Pressing into your breakthrough. And, and I think there's something to be said about what breakthrough is. And um, so, so just to preface this, why, why I'm speaking on this is <laughs> how many had a New Year's goal, resolution, goal? How many? Okay, a few. So, so most often our culture does really, really great uh, January, February. Then all of a sudden, March 1st hits and everything tanks. The gym memberships go down, the diets go off, we have cheat weekends that become cheat weeks, that become cheat months, and then a cheat year. So anyway, that's, these, are, these are when everything kind of goes down. Well, we, we contended, and we've been contending for things in this church and things in our lives, and, and we went after, at the beginning of the year, talking about this is going to be a year of breakthrough. The through in the breaking, like there might be brokenness, there may have been breakdowns, but we believe that this is the through year, that God of the impossible will do the impossible. So we kicked off this big, long series called Every, and we talked about one of those was Every Home, and Obed-Edom hosted his presence, hosted the Ark of the Covenant. David found somebody to host the Ark. It was a temporary dwelling place, and for three months, Obed-Edom hosted the Ark of the Covenant, his presence, and for three months, and after that, it says his whole house was blessed forever because of it. So what does it look like to host God's presence for three months? Well, we're in now month three of three months. So it is not time to press on the gas to do a brake check. It is time to put the pedal to the metal. It is time to accelerate and say it's March, but we are pressing into our breakthrough. We may not have seen it. may have gotten worse since it's gotten better. It may have looked like Bishop Joseph Garlington. He's a pastor out of Pittsburgh. Really, really great guy. He says, we are intended to be from upgrade to upgrade, glory to glory, to live from faith to faith. But sometimes there's hell in the hallways. Right? Sometimes when we're going from this place to this place, there's a transition that's happening. I believe we're in a transition in, in, in America. I believe we're in a transition in this church. We're in a transition of seasons. Thank God, finally, we are going from winter to spring. We have these irises at our house, and, and they're, they're variegated iris, and, and that's when I see them start popping up, and some daylilies at, at our front, front area there, our front entry. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Spring is here. But we're in this transition, and, and I believe this, like, it may not look good, and, and even in the last couple of months, things may have even gotten worse. Maybe our marriage, maybe we're fighting more often. Maybe our finances have taken a little turn for the worse. Maybe there's, there's things that's happened. But I'm telling you right now, we are still contending for a breakthrough for you, for your marriage, for your home, for your kids, for your grandkids, for, for the divisions in your family and relationships, for your finances, whatever it might be, your businesses. We are believing here as a church, and we're contending for your breakthroughs. But sometimes there's hell in that hallway. But it is time to put the pedal to the metal. Today's, today's message is about accelerating. Let's press into it. Micah and I, we went on a, on a ministry trip. I took him along. I was speaking at a conference up in northern Ohio. And, uh, and, and basically, I love, I don't always trust, we call it the green machine. I've got a 2001 Acura MDX. We're about the fifth owner. It's beautiful. 
It's got hail damage all over it. That's how I bought it. That's how I got a good deal. Paid a couple thousand dollars for it a few years ago. We've racked up about 60,000 more miles on it's already 140 when we bought it. It's in the shop right now. So I don't really take it on the long trip. So I usually rent a fun car. All that to say, I can usually rent a car. I, I rent it to where I return it empty. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm like the all-star at saying one mile left to empty. Anybody else done that? Like, I know it. I can do it so good. So I can usually rent a car cheaper than me to drive my car there. So I rented a Camaro SS. It was yellow. It was fine, smooth as glass. And let me tell you, the SS has this smooth, sweet little rumble in it. So after church, we, we had done a whole weekend uh, there, and it was our final service. We were there Sunday morning. And after church, I was just feeling a little frisky. So they had this four-lane highway, and, and the pastor was in front of us. All of a sudden, it, it opened up from one lane to, to two, basically four lanes, like outside of a city. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to have some fun. And I gun it. And I put the pedal to the metal. And then I pass him very, very easily. All of a sudden, I heard this thing go, and it just sat down. And I was like, oh, that feels good. <laughs> These alarms start popping on the dash. I'm like, well, I don't know what's happening right there. And all of a sudden, the speedometer comes back on. And I'm like, yes, 100, 110, 120, 135. Oh, this is amazing, and it feels the same as when it was 80. At 152 miles an hour, it still felt good. Then I had this thought, wait a second, I'm a firefighter. If I lose my license in a 60-mile-per-hour zone right now, I'm going to have a hard time convincing my chief to let me keep my job, <laughs> who happens to be my brother. <laughs> Break. And I slowed down to within a reasonable speed limit. Maybe around 90. So anyway, all that to say, this is an accelerating time. This is a life-charged, hope-charged atmosphere where when you think you're down or even when you think you're ahead, it's time to thrust forward. And I believe that we're between seasons. I believe we're between this transition to where we're no longer who we used to be. We're no longer where we used to be, but we're certainly not yet where we're called to be. And that is a great, beautiful place to be in my marriage. And we talked about this at the marriage night. Listen, I'm not, we're not any longer where we used to be, but we're not yet where we're called to be. It's a heaven realm. That's a Zion realm, right? So there's this place that keeps me humble and it keeps me hungry. No matter where I am, I'm content where I am. I'm thankful for the story and the testimony and the but God and the and suddenly moment he brought me out of. You know, the, the Saul to the Paul experience, the Jacob to Israel. You know, I'm excited for those times and those transitions, but yet I'm still not where I'm called to be. So this keeps me in this beautiful place of humility, of hunger, but yet contentment. And I believe we're in that place here. And if you look at America and if you look to where we are, from station to station, city to city, state to state, there is just chaos going on. One minute, the stock market's having record highs. The next minute, it's doom and gloom. One station will say, talking about the economy, the next station, you flip it and they want to impeach Trump. You know, all these things. And, and let me just tell you, Jesus is not a Republican or a Democrat. Our breakthrough is not going to come from a politician. No offense to any politicians in here. We have a couple. 
But your breakthrough, unless it's Christ in them, the hope of glory, leading you to the breakthrough that only Christ can provide. God is not a Democrat, Republican, or Tea Party, or Independent. God is a citizen of heaven, and he's an ambassador, and he's passed and delegated that authority to all of us. But any time in our, in our season right now, in our transition in America, in the world right now, you're seeing this. You're seeing these beautiful things where Jerusalem is being declared as the capital of Israel. You're seeing these beautiful things, but then you step into another country, and it's poverty-stricken with hunger, and they can't get fresh water. South Africa at the moment is having a water crisis. So, so you have this transition in this, this, this place to where, you know, the springtime is here. Let, let me get to my notes finally here. Let's go to Song of Songs 2, 11 through 13. I'll be in NLT today. Seasons. Look, the winter has passed. It says, and the rains are over and gone. The flowers are springing up. The season of singing birds has come, and the cooing of turtle doves, doves fill the air. The fig trees are forming young fruit, and the fragrant grapevines are blossoming. Rise up, my darling. It's telling us to rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. We go, we jump to Psalms 96.1, and it says this, sing a new song to the Lord. Sing a new song. He's telling him to, us to bring a new song to him. That means we actually have to use our vocal cords, open our mouth, and sing a praise of a new song. And he says, let the whole earth sing to the Lord. We go to, to Revelations 21.5, and it says, and the one sitting on the throne, look, I am making all things or everything new. And then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. He's making all things new. Listen, in this transition, we, we have some of these, these major transitions in our lives, going from single to married, going from no children to children. But in our spiritual walk, we go in these transitions, you know, unsaved to, to now saved. But having that born-again experience, there's, there's other experiences and baptisms and things that, that take us from glory to glory. And here's the beautiful thing about that is it's, it's this place to where even in Romans 8 and Galatians 4, he's talking about the spirit of adoption, where we're no longer a slave. Therefore, we no longer have to think like a pauper or think in a poverty mindset or think that we have lack or think that we're not worthy or think that, that, that fear controls us. But now I step into this break through, through the spirit of adoption. Christ only can do that. Christ came to connect us and his children. He longed so much for us. He didn't punish us and keep us out of the garden. He was protecting us because the Father wants a relationship with us. So in Romans 8 and Galatians 4, and Paul throughout talks about these, these times where through the spirit of adoption, we're no longer a slave, but we are children of God. Therefore, we can cry out, Abba, Father, and we have an heir to the throne. This is beautiful because now I no longer have to think like a pauper. I can think and act and operate as a prince. Why? Because my inheritance is Jesus Christ. My inheritance isn't, isn't a, another money or an estate or a property. Listen, my estate isn't, my, my inheritance isn't even getting favor and blessings. My inheritance literally is Christ. My inheritance is the power of the Holy Spirit. My inheritance is grace and mercy. My inheritance is God is love. My inheritance is love. So I no longer am in who I used to be, but now I'm who I'm being called into being. Amen. Listen, the Bible talks about a constant infilling, and that's, that's from the bottom of your toes up to the top of your head. It's not this one and done, repeat this prayer. I love it. 
I love that. And that's the greatest seed and the greatest start that you'll ever receive in your life is through that, that, that confession that Jesus is Lord and I'm a sinner and I'm nothing without him. But by what he did on the cross, now I'm something. Listen, God is really good at taking nobodies and making them into somebodies, zeros and making them into heroes. He's really amazing at that. But here's the thing. I believe we're on the brakes of this breakthrough, and we're in the midst of this transition. And I believe many of us, we can see where God's calling us to. We can see. We know the path of what he's which and he's laid out for us. But yet we, we, we have this glimpse of where we used to be. Now here's the difference is. I always say that your, your windshield's bigger than your rearview mirror because it only matters where you're going, but you just still can't forget about where you've been. Listen, I don't ever want to forget about this. This is what makes me who I am. It's not that I would repeat it. <laughs> it's not that I would go back there. And oftentimes I have to convince that man that he's still dead. Listen, when he's talking about us being born again and coming into an experience, and even like baptism would do, it says that that old man's dead and new creature. We become new creatures in Christ. He's crucified. So every once in a while, while that temper tries to flare up again or, or, or that immorality that I used to walk in or that temptation to the impurity and, and pornography or whatever, if that temptation starts to creep up and, and just even start to nip at me like a stupid little coyote, I have to begin to remind that guy he's still dead and I'm a new creature. I'm not a slave to that anymore. I'm a son. Come on. So, so we're in the midst of this, this transition, and I believe this. It is time to accelerate. But I want to tell you this, that there is something in the key to the breakthrough of going and grabbing it. I used to work at an apple orchard uh, from the age of, let me remember here, third grade through seventh grade. I worked at an apple orchard called Bow Bend Apple Orchard on Route 36 outside of Bradford. It's where I learned to drive a truck. It's where I learned to ice skate. It's where I learned to drive motorcycles pick apples, prune trees, and somewhat become a man. Working on a farm sometimes makes you just become a man. But I remember we'd have to, we'd have to get these apples out of these trees and we'd pick these apples. And, and I just, I, I think that's, that's some of the key to what God is, is saying in our breakthrough. We don't have to just deal with the leftovers and the apples that they just use for apple cider on the ground with the bugs in them. If you didn't know that, that's the apples they use. I did it. God is not wanting you to just to take leftovers and only the things that you can just grab off the ground. At the same time, I wasn't old enough to operate the cherry picker. At the same time, we don't have to get all this equipment out and, and, and get ladders out and reach up at the top just to grab those. I believe that God is putting such an, an ideal of breakthrough that we just grab it. We just grab it and we take it and we take the good fruit that's within reach. But here's the thing. We still have to pick it. Let me, let me bring you through some examples. Noah still had to build the ark. Okay? The people coming out of Egypt still had to cross over and they still had to walk around Jericho. So the walls and they praised. They still had to walk and actually take a motion. They were in the desert for 40 years on a 12-day journey to get to their promised land. Listen. Sometimes that might look like hell in the hallway. Sometimes that transition isn't easy. But I'm telling you that it's the valley where we learn the lessons. It's the valley where the nutrients and the supplements start to come so that we appreciate the mountaintop. Let me tell you, the perspective is totally different from the mountaintop, but it's not more beautiful. 
I've been hiking above 10,000 elevation feet twice, once in Colorado, once in New Zealand. And, and all of a sudden, you, you're, you're down there, you're with the streams, you're with the, the foliage, you're with the trees. And let me tell you, that's hard. That's hard because your path kind of becomes like this. And you have, to, you have to go through creeks, and we, we waded through rivers and had to hold our guns up, and, and that's a thing. And then you're wet the rest of the day. But yet that's where the foliage is. That's where the plants get their nutrients. That's where the animals come down to feed. Once you get above 10,000 feet, that 10 to 12,000 feet, there's no vegetation. All of a sudden, trees stop, and it's just shale, rock, a little bit of grass, and, and, and sand. And, and let me tell you, when I got up to that mountain, I had this sense of accomplishment. I had this sense of courage and this sense of I can accomplish and do anything. The view was amazing. But here's the thing and here's the key. It took me to go through that that I can still see from here. I could still see the journey I'd come from. I could still see where I came from. But yet, now I get to see everything else above it. Listen, Gideon was told at a campfire by an angel that he was going to win the battle. But guess what Gideon still had to do? Gather the men that he was promised, get the torches, get the horns, and go up to the mountaintop and start praising to win his battle because that's where the breakthrough was. He had to come from the valley to get to the mountain to go to his breakthrough. Listen, I, I find it interesting that Moses... He's coming to the, to the Red Sea. The Egyptians are chasing them. And, and it, this is an amazing story. Now, now, this is a God who knew that sea had to be split for them to get right to it. So all of a sudden, what does Moses have to do? He actually has to raise his rod, raise his staff, so that the sea is split, and then they walk through it. There's this, if you look at time and time again, it took something to press in to the breakthrough. The guys, the disciples who are out on the boat, they're fishing, and they're not catching anything on this side of the boat. How many fishermen do we have in here? How many fished or enjoy fishing? Loud and proud, come on. We do city in here. We do country in here because we're blessed in the city and out of the city. We're the lender, not the bar. <laughs> I'm proud of, of, of that I can go do a charcuterie tray, tray in Chicago, but yet just go get stupid muddy on a four-wheeler. <laughs> but anyway, these guys are fishing. So, so those of you who have fished before know that when you're fishing from a boat, it is not much different from casting on this side of the boat to this side of the boat. All right? In a general area, the fish are relatively similar, all right, relatively, but yet they're not catching anything. And here's what happens. Jesus is walking on the shore, and they're like, cast your nets on the other side of the boat. They actually had to pull their nets up and throw them on the other side of the boat. They get so full, they can barely pull them in. Now, now here's a God that when Israel was going through their journey, rained bread from the sky called manna every day, like little donuts falling from the sky from Jim's Donuts in Vandalia. Now, this is amazing. Now, is he not the same God that could have just let those fish jump into the boat or just filled the boat up? Yes. But what was it? What was it? It was an act of obedience and faith listening to the Messiah to go for your breakthrough. This is, this is something to where if we just operate, this is not in earning or striving or trying to perform for God to love me more. Listen, Dallas Willard says, God is not opposed to your effort, but he is opposed to your earning. 
This is a thing to where grace is sufficient and it's free. Mercy is already given. Christ has been crucified already for you and I's salvation, our sins, and our breakthroughs. By his stripes, we're already healed. That stuff's been done. I don't need to earn that. Nothing can separate me from his love. I don't need to earn his love. He's already loved me. He's demonstrated. He has proven it over and over and over again. I can read my word on all of that. But what I'm talking about here is grabbing that fruit, just reaching up. It's just raising the rod. It's raising the staff. It's going up to the mountain. It's not earning. It's not striving. It's this pursuit of his presence. It's this pursuit of the breakthrough. And it's saying, listen, I need you more now than ever. I needed you here, but I also need you here. My wife, I love her, and she loves me. If I get her flowers, it doesn't mean she loves me anymore, and it doesn't mean I love her anymore, and it doesn't mean I'm trying to give her flowers just so I get something in return. What it's doing is it is affirming. It's a public act of what's happening in our hearts and what's already happened. Listen, your breakthrough is not to earn more of God or earn something. Your breakthrough is simply stepping out of that hog pen like the prodigal son and going to the father's house. The father was resting in the house. The father was waiting with anticipation. The father was sitting there looking at the window, I'm sure, every day, waiting for the son. But what was in the breakthrough was something that cost the prodigal something. He came to his senses when he was in the hog pen. It says he came to his senses. All of a sudden, he had this revelation of the father's love, and he had to go back to the house. As he's rehearsing this, he's going back to the house. And the father, without hesitation, flings open the door, runs after him, breaks every rule in Jewish custom, runs, greets the, the son, embraces him, kisses him, and then lavishes him with gifts and a party. Listen, but it took the son that was something that was going to cost him for the breakthrough. Not in earning, not in striving, but something that says, listen, I want my kids saved. I'm actually going to pray for them. I want my grandkids to serve the Lord, so I'm going to demonstrate it. Listen, we're called to not only steward, but also sow into what God's calling us into. And I'm not talking money. I'll be honest. If you've got financial problems, you probably need a steward and budget, and it wouldn't hurt to probably sow a seed because the key to prosperity is generosity. What I'm saying is you're called to steward the time that he's given you. You're called to, to, to plant seeds and to, to grow things. Listen, this is what God's calling you to do. And it is in your breakthrough. It is in stretching out that rod that the sea is split. We want everybody else to do it for us. And we want God to just, just radically make it really easy. He has made it easy enough. He died on the cross. The greatest breakthrough of all time was when he died on the cross. It literally, he broke open. His breakthrough was for the entire earth so much that it shook. There was an earthquake. Everything split. That was the breakthrough. Last one I'll mention here is David. David, there's, there's this moment in time when no one else would fight Goliath. He's a young shepherd boy, which was the lowliest of jobs in the family. It was the runt's job. It was the job no one else wanted. It was so boring and mundane and hard. So they gave it to David. So he's out here practicing. Listen, sometimes you, what you're stewarding now is for your breakthrough later. Sometimes what you're dealing with now in those little things is because the Bible promises that when you do good with little, much is given. So sometimes that lion or that, that bear in front of you that you're learning how to slay, that is the future breakthrough that's going to be much bigger. That's the future stewarding. That's the future seed. 
So all of a sudden it comes to this place with Goliath. No one else. Everybody's afraid. Now, now, now here, Saul wants him to wear his armor. God's not calling you to fight somebody else's battle, and he's not calling you to fight your battle with somebody else's armor. You're to fight your battle with your armor. So David goes, and he gets what he's used to. He gets what he knows, and he gets his slingshot, which was actually just like a pouch. And he picks up five stones from the riverbed, and he gets them. And you know the, the Hebrew name for that is Abba, Aben, meaning Abba, meaning father, son. So he picks up that stone, and he slings it, and he hits Goliath right in the head, knocks him down, faces the giant right in the face. Sometimes we got to go to our breakthrough and just face it. Why? Because sometimes we need to walk through that valley to get to that mountaintop, and we need to go after our breakthrough. Then what's he do? He does something so prophetic, because when you cut off the head, you cut off the life. When you cut off the head, you cut off the curse. Then what's he do? He goes to his breakthrough, cuts off the head so it never haunts him again. This is good stuff. Let me just see where I am. (laughs) There's a quote that I wanted to mention, and Bill Johnson says, physical obedience breeds spiritual release. Spiritual obedience brings, I'm sorry, physical obedience brings spiritual release. There's something about being faithful, operating in faith, and obedience. Let me just close with this. The, the band can come. We're going to do just a simple prophetic act at the end since Nicole stole everything else during transition. I feel there's some keys to breakthrough. All right? These are really simple. I could only come up with two, and then eventually I added a third just because I thought it might be good to have three points instead of two. Because every good preacher has three to four points. No less, no more. Keys to breakthrough are praise, a heart of thankfulness in all things. James 1, 2 says this. It says, count it all joy the trials you might go through because, and it goes in to say, because it will build perseverance, it will build character, it will build patience, it will build these things. So as we're praising, it's actually, it's, it's praising no matter what's going on. I always say it's easy to worship when you need something and praise when you have everything. What's it look like to always have a heart of praise and worship no matter the circumstance or trial or situation? So praise, be thankful, have a heart of thankfulness in all things. That's one. The next one is worship. Host his presence. Be in a place of constant worship. Now, now I, I work two full-time jobs, raising four beautiful little tiny little girl world changers, married to the hottest lady in the universe, which isn't easy, okay? It's not easy. Here's the deal. Worshiping is so key to being, being full of his presence and just being in awe of him in a constant realm. I don't have all day to do this, but when I'm driving in my car, I do it. When I'm getting out of my car, when I'm walking into work, I'm praising, thank you, Lord. I, I type in the code, thank you, Lord. I'm unlocking my door, thank you, Jesus. As I'm at my desk, I have worship music flowing in the background. And I'm just a heart of thankfulness and a heart of worship throughout my whole day. Am I perfect all the time at it? No. Do I feel like it all the time? No. I don't feel like working out either, ever. I hate running. Anybody join me on that hallelujah heaven word? 
I can't stand exercise. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> I can't think of one thing at the moment that I would love doing in any form of exercise. Hiking, maybe, if you would count that. Dragging a deer, I don't know, but we're getting way off course here. What I'm saying is this. I don't always feel like working out, but when I do it and I get into it, I always feel better afterwards, and I'm always thankful that I did work out. It's the same thing with praise, worship, and my word, my prayer. I don't always feel like it. I, I'll be honest. I was pressing snooze today. Nicole gets home from being at the church and praying, getting things ready, and I was still in bed. I'm always up and have the girls kind of working in motion by the time she gets home. She comes in. She's like, did you just get out of bed? I was like, yeah. I looked forward to the day. I looked forward to being here, but I was not enjoying getting up and being awake. But here's the thing. Even when we don't feel like it, we do it, and then it changes the atmosphere. It changes our heart. It changes the dynamics of where I'm going. Now I become the church rather than just go to one. Now I become Christ in me, the hope of glory, and I actually become attractive in, 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 in those who want what I have. They know it's Jesus. Why? Because I'm hosting him, I'm worshiping him, I'm praising him. And then the last thing is, Matt told me this quote that, that Steve Justice told him recently. Hold tight on the things that basically last forever. Hold tight on the things that really matter and hold loose to the things that don't. Essentially, you know, it's, it's this paradigm to where I'm going to invest my time and make sure my priorities are right to where that hobby might have to take a rest if I haven't hosted his presence. Or, or what really matters to me is relationships and leading people to Christ and pouring into my little girls and spending daddy time with them because I actually want them to see a better version at home than they see up here. That's the things I want to invest in, not another title, not more influence, not another product or growth or another service added. Oh, we have three services now. I just want more of him. I just want to be like him. That's really the key to breakthrough. Pressing in in such a way where we're praising, we're worshiping, we're hosting his presence, and we go for what he's calling us to go for. Not sit back and wait for somebody else to do it. Listen, no one is going to win your kids to the Lord like you can. No one is going to pray for your kids and your grandkids like you can. If it wasn't for my mom and grandma and my dad praying for me, interceding for me, I wouldn't be where I am today. Let me finish with this verse. Isaiah 60. This is an incredible chapter in the Bible. And I'm going to end here. This is a glowing prophetic promise to an Israel who was still in captivity. Put that in perception. This is a prophetic promise that is charged with hope, charged with life for an Israel that's still in captivity. And here's what it says to them. Isaiah 61 through five, NIV. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. That hit me so hard this week when I read this and as I'm digesting more of this last night. Arise, shine. He's telling captives, the Lord through the prophet Isaiah is telling captives to arise, shine. 
He's telling you right now, arise, shine, go after your breakthrough because the light of the Lord is upon you and the glory of the Lord is here. Verse two, it says, see, darkness covers the earth. How many feel like we're in a time now that darkness is covering much of the earth? And thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar and your daughters are carried on the hip. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy and wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you the riches of the nations will come. Arise, shine. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord upon you so just rise arise shine arise shine for the light of the Lord is upon you arise shine I believe it's time for us to arise for us to shine and for us to go after our breakthrough sometimes between glory and glory there's hell in the hallway Sometimes it doesn't look good. There's a stage of labor called transition. And in that stage, that's where the baby is coming down the birth canal. I've heard it's painful. One way or another, this baby's coming out. One way or another, your breakthrough's coming. Some are easier than others. Some babies are bigger than others. Big baby, big push. Some of you are birthing life. Some of you are birthing something. Some of you have had to say no to, to, to old systems, to old traditions. Some of you have had to walk away from friendships to choose something new. Some of you have said no to so many things to say yes to the Lord. So many of you may have said no to, to the worldly things, and I said no to going to the bars and going to, to strip clubs and those things that I was a part of to say yes to Jesus. And let me just say, his yes outweighs any no I've ever given in my entire life. There's something that's being birthed, and there's something in that breakthrough. And when that baby comes out and you hold that baby, all of a sudden you forget the valley you just walked through. You forget the hallway you just had to come down. And you forget that painful time to hold that baby. Why? Because that life was worth it. This is worth it. Your breakthrough is worth it. You are paying now so others can play later. You are paying a price. It's costing you something. It is costing you something to pursue his presence. It costs you something to raise up the rod. It costs you something to change the nets to the other side of the boat. It costs you something, but your breakthrough is worth it. All right, here's what I want us to do. I want you just to lift your hands up. We've prayed. Nicole had you step out for your breakthrough, which is what I was going to do. And come to the front and just step into it because it needs to cost you something. But we're just gonna do this. I wanna pull the heaven realm down Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Uh, we're going to call down. We're going to seek first the things we can't see so we can pull down the things we can see. So we're going to seek first the kingdom, the things we can't see, so we can pull down all things that we can see. So in just a moment, we're going to pull down a heavenly act that, that heaven will come to earth. The Lord tells us in his prayer, it says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth where? As it is in heaven. So God's, you're an heir. Your inheritance is heaven on earth. So on the count of three, we're just going to pull down whatever it is your breakthrough is, whatever it is that you're going for, whatever it is you started the first of the year that you're contending for, we're going to pull that down right now and seal it with the blood of Jesus. One, two, three. We seal that with your blood, Jesus. We seal that with your blood. We declare breakthrough. We declare the through and the breaking right now. We declare breakthrough. We declare breakthrough in the name of Jesus. There is more power in one drop of your blood than all authority on the earth, God. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Listen, I believe that we're called to sow and to steward. If there's divisions, maybe you're, maybe you're going after a reconciliation in your marriage or reconciliation in, in a family or a relationship. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's, maybe it's work-related. Maybe it's family-related. Whatever it might be, I have no idea what you're contending for. But I believe this. God is calling you to a place right now to sow into it and steward it. So that might mean as you're driving home, maybe your spouse driving home, you text that person that you love them. Maybe that means you send that little card. Maybe that means you step away from the things that used to be and you step into who you're called to be. Maybe that breakthrough is that impurity on that internet. Maybe that, that breakthrough is that, that something that, that lingers over here that keeps pulling you back. Well, that might mean you pull some accountability into it. Your no might have to be a little more severe than it used to be. We love you so much. Have an amazing